Hello, everybody. This is Joseph P. Farrell with news and views from the Nefarium on Thursday, May 14th, 2020. And this may be a long one. I'm, I'm warning you ahead of time. We might go a little long today because there's something in the water in Karlsruhe, Germany <laughs> that has me wondering. Anyway, let me do the housekeeping first. Tomorrow we do have a vid chat at 6.30 U.S. Central Time. As usual, I'll be in the chat room a couple of hours early just for our usual informal conversation and so on. And uh, I've already got a couple questions from some of you and a couple that I archived from the last time. So show up. We had a really uh, hot session the last vid chat. It went quite long, but it was quite enjoyable and a lot of good uh, discussion. So anyway, uh, as I said, we might be going long today because there's something in the water <laughs> in Karlsruhe, Germany. Now, in case you don't know, Karlsruhe is the headquarters of the German Constitutional Court. The, their version of the American Supreme Court or the British Supreme Court is not in Berlin. It's actually in Karlsruhe. Uh, which isn't too far from Strasbourg, uh, France, if you want to know where Karlsruhe is. Um, they are called the Cardinals of Karlsruhe, and I've been blogging about them recently because they've been handing down some decisions lately that when you look at the implications of those decisions, they are directly challenging the authority of several crucial European Union institutions. And that's really what this is all about. And I have pulled up four articles for you that I will be linking in this video once I get it up on YouTube, because these four articles lay out a very interesting case of what's going on. I have my own questions about this. I'm going to be reading principally from the two Zero Hedge articles about this. And I have to tell you, I know I missed last week's news and views, and that was partly for three reasons. Number one, I was still having computer issues that I didn't get resolved uh, in time to do it in a timely fashion. By the time I got done, secondly, I was just too tired. But thirdly, I've been following this uh, story of the German Constitutional Court because I suspected after the previous decision, which I blogged about, that struck down certain EU institutions and policies as being against the German uh, Grundgesetz, is what they call it, the, the basic law or the constitutional law, uh, the constitutional court struck down certain things. I thought, gee, that's a very interesting thing. Uh, there's going to be some more developments. Well, sure enough, a couple weeks later, they have handed down a whopper. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to read these two Zero Hedge articles without much commentary and then give you my high-octane speculation toward the end of this because I suspect that we may be watching the beginning of either a massive redesign of the European Union or a crack-up of the European Union. So here we go. This is Zero Hedge from four days ago. The uh, title of the article is Eurozone Breakup Risk Reaches New High. And I'm going to read several paragraphs uh, from this rather lengthy 
uh, article on Zero Hedge, I want you to listen very, very carefully to what the German Supreme Court just did. First of all, it, under the heading QE deemed illegal, quantitative easing deemed illegal. Listen to this. In the midst of a pandemic and an important presidential election, it is very easy to miss globally significant events. Here is one that is way under the radar. The German Constitutional Court ruled the European Central Bank's quantitative easing program could be illegal. In announcing the ruling, the German Chief Justice Andreas Foskula said that the Court of Justice of the European Union had approved a practice that was obviously not covered by the European Central Bank's mandate. Let me read that one again. The German Chief Justice, Andreas Foskula, said that the Court of Justice of the European Union had approved a practice that was obviously not covered by the European Central Bank's mandate. Foskula spent months crafting the 77-page decision, announcing the ruling just a day before his official retirement on Wednesday, dismissing a 2018 Court of Justice of European Union decision to allow the bond purchases under the quantitative easing program the German court ordered the European Central Bank <coughs> pardon me, to provide Germany with adequate justification for the program within the next three months. Should it fail to do so, the Bundesbank, Germany's central bank, would no longer be permitted to participate in the program. Now let me stop for just a minute. The... the interesting thing here about this German constitutional court decision, in other words, is that it is basically an order to the European Central Bank to provide a legal argument for it being able to do what it has been doing under the quantitative easing program and buying all these sovereign securities from various EU member states, like Italy and Spain, for example. So in other words, behind the decision, number one, there is a rule. This ruling is about the European Union's state of finances, and we haven't even begun to probe the legal depths of this. But number two, if you view what the German court is doing in terms of British or American or the development of Anglo-Saxon law, what the European Central Bank just got served with by the German Constitutional Court was kind of a German equivalent of, of an old English writ called a writ quo warranto, which means by whose warrant or by whose authority are you doing what you're doing, okay? That's essentially what the German Constitutional Court, if you want to translate from German law, uh, which I don't know that well, into Anglo-Saxon law, which again, I don't know that well, but I do know a few things about medieval writs. Uh, this is what they've just done. They've told the European Central Bank, unless you make your case legally and we sign off on it, the Bundesbank cannot participate in your program. <laughs> Folks, that's a whopper. That, that just sent a real powerful salvo across the bows of the European Union. Let me continue. 
The ruling raises complex and potentially troubling issues for the EU as a whole. No kidding, Sherlock. <laughs> the German Constitutional Court has accused the European Central Bank and the Court of Justice of the European Union of abusing their power and of acting beyond their assigned competences. In other words, again, the analogy here to what the German court has just done is it's done the equivalent of an old British writ called writ quo warranto. That concept is known in German constitutional law as acting ultra vires. In the German legal interpretation, listen carefully, folks, of European integration, all sovereignty still rests with the member states. In other words, think of Germany as the American Confederacy, <laughs> okay? The EU is not a federal state, but a deferred power. Member states have transferred certain rights to the EU. The German court said it accepts that it is bound by the Court of Justice of, European, of the European Union rulings but only those that occur, listen carefully, only those that occur within the European Union's agreed competences. In other words, they're having the same argument right now in Germany and the EU that this country had in the United States prior to the uh, war between the states. Is, it a, is the federal government a truly sovereign entity or is it a deferred power? Does it derive what sovereignty it has from its member states who retain full sovereignty? And, of course, I would argue that case. All bets are off if the Court of Justice of the European Union goes ultra vires. And, crucially, the German courts decide if and when that happens. This is the most serious challenge to the European Union's legal framework we have yet come across. In the United Kingdom, the courts operated under the assumption that conflicts between the EU and the UK law would always be settled on the basis that the EU law was supreme. The ruling accuses, moreover, the Court of Justice of the European Union as of a breach of European Union treaty law. The German court's interpretation will have important consequences if other national courts follow suit, which we think is very likely. Poland's deputy justice minister already declared that member states have regained their position as the masters of the EU treaties. We expect the ruling to strengthen the determination by the Polish government to press ahead with judicial reform and to resist interference by the European Union into what they consider their domestic legal affairs. Hear, hear. Go Poland. Now, this decision, incidentally, folks, was handed down by the German Constitutional Court in a seven-to-one ruling. So in other words, this is a fairly unanimous decision across the political spectrum in Germany. Now, to skip a couple paragraphs, Germany reacted forcefully to COVID-19. Berlin abandoned its cherished debt break, which sharply constrains its government borrowing, and legislated a 750 billion euro, that's almost 
three quarters of a trillion euros rescue package for the German economy. Italy, the country with the highest number of infection, infections and deaths from the virus, does not have the same fiscal leeway. Its response to COVID-19 amounted to a mere 28 billion euros, about 4% the size of the German package. In other words, Germany's got the liquidity and, and the economic muscle to do this. And that's going to be key to my analysis of what may be happening here behind the scenes. All right. I do have some high octane speculation, but I want to lay out what these articles are actually saying before I get to those. Now, I'm continuing with that first Zero Hedge article. The EU is not used to surprises, but the German court ruling makes three in a row. Number one, the Brexit vote. Number two, the Brexit vote success. And number three, the previous German court ruling, again, which struck down the German government's policies and, and the Bundesbank policies and said they were unconstitutional. So we've had two constitutional rulings from the German constitutional court within the last two months that have struck down significant portions, not only of policy, but of EU institutions and their overreach. I'm surprised too, the author of the article says. Why? Because in every case to date, the German constitutional court looked the other way. Now, stop and let that sink in, folks. This means there has been a huge, gigantic uh, legal philosophical shift on the German constitutional court. It is no longer willing to look the other way. And the question now is, why? What has changed? We'll get back to that. Because in every case to date, the German constitutional court looked the other way. There have been numerous European Central Bank-related challenges which the German court threw to the Court of Justice of the European Union with obvious consequences. And there was no indication that the German court would suddenly reverse course. So I'm not only surprised by the ruling, I'm surprised that it was seven to one. What Germany fears now, listen carefully, folks, this is, this is the crook's interpretum of what's going on, and I think there's also some geopolitics behind this that are huge, in part implied by the coronavirus story and all of its consequences. So listen carefully. What Germany fears now and has from the outset is debt mutualization in which Germany because of EU policy, would be forced to bail out Greece, Spain, Portugal, and Italy. This is why Germany insisted that the Maastricht Treaty, which founded the Eurozone, prohibit debt mutualization. But time and again, politicians in the European Central Bank found ways to chip away at that treaty, and they still do even in the wake of German court ruling. Skipping some paragraphs here. Italy and Spain owe nearly a trillion euros to Germany. That's an amount that can never be paid back. 
But everyone pretends the debt is good because the European Central Bank guarantees the debt. And those guarantees represent a fundamental flaw in the Eurozone that allowed this debt to pile up in the first place. If Italy were to withdraw from the Eurozone, its bank's assets and liabilities would be re-denominated in its new currency. Germany would get not get paid back in Euros, but rather Lira or some other new currency, assuming Germany got paid back at all. So in other words... Reading between the lines a bit, Germany is sick and tired of paying the consequences for Mr. Globaloni's policies. That's the bottom line. And that, folks, is huge. Because, continuing with this article, this leaves three courses open. Number one, Germany and the creditor nations forgive enough debt for Europe to grow. Number two, permanently high unemployment and slow growth in Spain, Greece, Italy, with stagnation elsewhere in Europe. And number three, the breakup of the Eurozone. So, pick your poison. The German court signaled it has had enough of the current path towards more mutualization. It is unreasonable to expect number two, permanently high unemployment and stagnant growth to last forever. And number three, the only remaining door is number three, the breakup of the Eurozone. And the article concludes, undoubtedly the path of least resistance is still door number two, high unemployment, stagnant growth. Germany will talk solidarity, listen to those words, but act against it. All right, that's the first article. We're not even done yet, folks. Number two, the second article at Zero Hedge is titled Europe in Crisis, German Judges Strike Back and Say the European Central Bank Isn't the Master of the Universe. And I'm reading here um, five paragraphs from this, and then I'm going to give you what my take is here. There's some things that are omitted from this story that I am intensely curious about. But before we get to those, here's the second article. Quote, as Bloomberg reported overnight, Peter Huber, who drafted last week's ruling for the German, Germany's constitutional court, said the judges wanted the European Central Bank to take responsibility for the quantitative easing program and to explain it to those negatively affected, such as all those German savers who have to pay their bank to hold their money under the negative interest rates. In another newspaper review, his colleague Andreas Foskula, that's the chief justice of the Constitutional Court, denied that the European top court always had the last word in matters of the region's law. This ruling is good for Europe because it strengthens the rule of law, Foskula told Die Zeit. National courts' decisions are legitimate and courts are obliged to step in the rare, into the rare exceptional case when EU institutions gravely transgress their powers. Huber also said the German court only wants proof that the European Central Bank's quantitative easing program is within its mandate. 
Again, we're back to writ quo warranto type of legal thinking here. The central bank must show, must show, that it hasn't overstepped its powers as it doesn't have the right to make moves just because Europe is in a crisis. In other words, again, the German court has ordered the U European Central Bank to prove legally that it has the jurisdiction to, and authority to take the policy decisions it has taken. Again, folks, I can't tell you what huge legal megatonnage that really is. That's huge. Because the German court is going to decide whether they have made that case. The message to the European Central Bank is actually homeopathic, Huber said Tuesday on Süddeutsche Zeitung's website. It shouldn't see itself as the master of the universe. An institution like the European Central Bank, which is only thinly legitimized democratically, is only acceptable if it strictly adheres to the responsibilities assigned to it. Ah, <laughs> uh, folks, I, I got to tell you, I'm as as someone who's watched this European Union disaster and and out of control, power mad people like uh, Rompuy and Guy Verhofstadt and all of these Eurocrats in Brussels. Uh, <laughs> I'm just loving this. Anyway, to continue. As a reminder, on May 5th, Germany's top court ruled that the European Central Bank is violating EU law by failing to properly justify its bond purchase program. The judges said that Germany's Bundesbank can no longer participate in the program unless the European Central Bank justifies its policies within three months. The 7-to-1 decision, which goes against the 2018 ruling by the European Court of Justice that upheld quantitative easing, opened a stark rift between the regional and national courts. This is a direct challenge to the core authority of the European Court of Justice in a context where Poland and Hungary which, re remember, folks, those two countries have simply defied EU regulations and said, no, we're not accepting any more refugees into our countries. They've effectively closed the borders and thumbed their noses at uh, Brussels. <sighs> They're also under scrutiny uh, of the court for various infringements of the principle of the rule of law, said Sebastian Platon, a professor of public law at the University of Bordeaux. So in other words, again, folks, this is either the sign of a major, massive redesign of the EU or it's the beginning of the crack-up. Now, um, my question here, folks, is as these two articles make clear, the German Constitutional Court has done a 180-degree about-face of the policies and types of decisions it was making up until these last two decisions. And my question is, what's behind this? Because, as you know, a court cannot go out and simply strike down something. It has to have suits of law brought to it. So I'm wondering who is behind bringing this, these cases to the German Constitutional Court 
to begin with. Because what I'm suspecting is that if we learn that, we might discover that the people bringing the suit are major German businesses that have been fed up with the policies of the Merkel government going back at least a decade, playing along with the sanctions against Russia and so on. Remember all those stories from a few years ago where German businessmen in various German states were trying to figure out ways around the German federal government's economic sanctions against Russia to do business and so on and so forth. And those strictures were also coming from the EU. So my suspicion, I and folks, I'm guessing here, there has got to be a group of people organized in Germany that are pushing these cases and making these arguments in front of the German constitutional court for that court to take these actions. And I have to wonder, too, if there's some pressure not being exerted more or less illicitly and behind the scenes because the scale of this ruling, seven to one, normally when you see courts of that nature at that level beginning to reverse policies, they don't do it suddenly and they don't do it by massive shifts in the legal opinions and votes on the court. They usually do it in you know a 5-4 or a 4-3 type of way. But 7-1, that's sending a clear message. So I'm thinking there are players that we do not yet see on stage. That's, to me, crucial. Now, my suspicion is that if we learn who those players are, we might start discovering that there are links to the new political party in Germany, the Alternative for Deutschland, all right? Because they have been pressing against Merkel and the EU's policy of open borders. And again, you can't blame them. But here's my real question. What happens if, say, Italy or Spain decide that their future is best had outside of the European Union and they leave, what happens to the European Union? Well, I've been predicting for some time that the whole Euro experiment was destined to fail and that you would see some sort of return to what was called the old exchange rate mechanism that led to the Euro in the first place when France wanted to join that old exchange rate mechanism. That mechanism I talk about uh, in my book, The Third Way, all right? It's important for people to understand how the euro came about. The exchange rate mechanism was an agreement between Germany and smaller countries like the Netherlands, Denmark, Austria, and so on, to peg their currencies to the Deutschmark within certain ranges of fluctuation of exchange rates. And if those currencies started to get outside, above or below the assigned exchange rate vis-a-vis the Deutschmark, the German central bank, the Bundesbank, would step in and stabilize those exchange rates. So in other words, those countries effectively pegged their currency to the Deutschmark. And that's what happened when France decided it wanted to join that mechanism, they said, well, let's just go ahead and create a common currency. So in other words, the Eurozone has been a kind of 
vastly expanded exchange rate mechanism. And the reason I'm mentioning this is if those countries should leave, or in fact, if Germany should leave the Eurozone, and I don't rule that out given the strength of these decisions and who may be behind it, I think you will see a reemergence of some sort of expanded exchange rate mechanism in the northern European countries, uh, the Scandinavian countries, Denmark, the Netherlands, Austria, maybe the Czech Republic, and so on, coupled their currencies against a re-emerging Deutschmark. I think France uh, will be left out in the cold. I, I, I don't know. It may become a part of it. I don't know. But my suspicion is they'll be left out in the cold. But what happens if all of that does take place? What happens if there is indeed a Eurozone crack-up? And my prediction there is, again, high-octane speculation. Because if, if the German Constitutional Court continues handing down these types of rulings, and if the Polish you know, equivalent or the Hungarian equivalent or the Austrian equivalent starts handing down similar things, you're looking at the bust-up of the European Union. So what, what does Germany do if that's the case? Well, I suspect that in that case, you're going to see Germany go on a tear and try to, uh, in a whirlwind of trade negotiations, try to open up global markets with bilateral agreements like we've been seeing China making with Iran and so on and so forth to couple their currencies to each other and bypass the dollar. I think you're going to see Germany trying to do something similar. They're going to try to revivify all their old business contacts in Latin America. They will become major competitors in Latin America with the United States and China um, simply out of necessity uh, because I think, again, if, if we're reading the tea leaves properly here, we're looking at the beginning of the crack-up, which will take some time, but I think you're looking at the beginning of it. And you're going to see Germany trying to patch up and create markets with India and with Russia. Now, I'm leaving out China because, as we know, if you watched Merkel's government prior to these unbelievable decisions by the German Constitutional Court, if we watched Merkel's government prior to the coronavirus outbreak, she was pursuing a number of very interesting trade deals with China, including some very high-tech uh, transfers of technology. And if you look at the way the Germans uh, dealt with China in terms of the transference of aero, uh, aerospace technology, it looks an awful lot to me like the Germans were trying to get a hold of stealth technology for military purposes. I suspect that the brakes have been put on all of that because of the coronavirus outbreak. And my reasoning there is very simple, and I've mentioned this to Catherine Fitz on her last quarterly report. Uh, the geopolitical consequences of this uh, virus story, I think, are devastating to China because they exhibit, in case anybody was under any doubts, that you simply cannot trust the communist Chinese, period. 
And this is a setback, therefore, for their Silk Road project and for any country doing business with them. I suspect the long-term consequence here for Germany is you're going to see them doing the same thing the Trump administration is doing and trying to pull their industry out of China and send it elsewhere and negotiate uh, trade deals with other, with other more reliable partners. So lots going on here. The, that's my suspicion of what may happen if the Eurozone cracks up. I don't see, and the reason I think it could very likely crack up, folks, is that debt mutualization that those two articles meant. Germany is the locomotive of Europe, no doubt about it. But it does not have sufficient economic or manufacturing or monetary base to take on all the debt for the rest of the European Union. It simply can't do it. It's not rich enough or powerful enough to do that. You know, neither is the United States, quite frankly. So I think we're headed for either a debt release, a debt jubilee, which, you know, we don't know how to do because humans have not done it in thousands of years, or we're watching the beginnings of the breakup of the EU. I would dearly like to know Who's bringing these cases to the German constitutional court? I don't know enough about German law. Maybe German law allows that court to go out and simply make rulings without cases being brought to them. But my suspicion is that this is not the case. And if it's not the case, I want to know who's behind the cases that are being brought to the German constitutional court. That's a part of the story that's hugely significant and that we're not being told. So anyway, folks, that's my high-octane speculation of the day. I want to thank you for bearing with me for a whole half an hour, because, as I warned you, this would go long, because I think this is a huge story, uh, and it's one we need to watch. Anyway, be well. Stay safe out there. Uh, my recommendation don't buy the propotainment media narrative about this whole Fauci virus thing. It smells to high heaven. Don't forget, we have the vid chat tomorrow, uh, 6.30 U.S. Central Time. I'll be in the chat room a little early as usual. So that's it, folks. We'll see you on the flip side. Bye-bye and God bless.